Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that you are not silent, but that you have spoken. You've given us the scriptures, which point us to him who is your eternal word, the one who was made flesh for us, that we might hear you, see you, and know you, even more to be known by you. We pray now that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. We'd be given hearts that are saying, even now, here are your servants, ready to listen. We pray this all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalm 13. If you need it, you can find it on page 453 of the Blue Pew Bible. Psalm 13 We'll begin reading in verse 1. Let us now hear God's word. This is a psalm of David. And he writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you're still planning on making some New Year's resolutions and haven't come up with any just yet, here's a few that I ran across this past week. Build a better budget and stick to it. Read a book and, at the very least, listen to one on audio. Go to bed on time. You need your sleep. Learn to love your veggies. That's one I could take uh, to heart. Drink more water, less diet soda. Put your phone down more than you pick it up. Put a death nail in doom scrolling. And if you're feeling a, you know, just a bit humorous, here are a few others. Stop procrastinating and come up with your own list already. Bring up your Enneagram number every opportunity you get. I'm sure everybody wants to know. And then there's this one. Exercise your right to Taco Tuesday. Last one, here's my favorite, and I'd certainly advise against it. Finally get that tattoo you've always wanted right there on your arm and have it say, New Year, New Me, 2023. Please don't do that one. Needless to say, there's an endless list of resolutions for a new year, but here's one I've yet to run across. Start practicing lament. Seriously? Lament? Yes, because lament is vital to a healthy Christian life. It's vital for a healthy Christian life. You see, as Christians, we're called to lament. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn. 
God expects his people to lament because he expects us of all people to take seriously the brokenness of our lives and our world. You see, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we live in a world that groans, in a creation that groans, that sorrows, that sorrows in brokenness as a result of sin, as a result of human rebellion against our good and gracious maker and his good creational design for our lives. We make our home in a world that's not right, that's not right not only out there, but that's not right in here as well. We live in a world where evil permeates the pores of our existence, where injustice prevails over righteousness, where war rages against peace, and where selfishness outpaces self-giving love. Truly, things aren't right, and just in case we forget this sad reality, death is there as a constant reminder, as are other things such as disease, disaster, abuse, addiction, broken relationships, and our own personal failure. And because this is so, At some point and in some way, tears will flow in 2023. We don't know when they'll come, but they will. Yet as ones who've been called to mourn, we shouldn't be surprised when they do. When those tears stream down, even more, we need to be prepared for when the tears come. We need to be ready to practice lament. But what does it mean to lament? Well, it's not just shedding tears. It's more than that. You see, lament is a form of prayer. It's a type of song, a dirge that fits our sin-marred and sorrowful existence. Lament is a language that enables us to mourn in a way that's uniquely Christian. You see, tears are natural in this broken world. Every human, every human sheds them. But Christian lament is more because lament is shedding tears in trust. In trust of a God who's revealed himself to be good and sovereign. Who's revealed himself as the God who promises to make all things new. Even our sorrowful things. To make them right and new. And he promises to use all things, to use all things for our ultimate good. And because lament is a form of prayer, the scriptures are obviously full of it. And this is especially so in the Psalms, with this psalm in particular serving as a prototypical form of it, of what it looks like for us to pour out our hearts to God in times of pain and perplexity. So that in addressing our tears, our confusion, and even our anger to God, we might more and more be reoriented to Him, to Him who is and can be our all in all. The end game of lament is that our trust in God would be renewed, 
that through the practice of lament, we'd see more clearly that God is our all. That he's our all in this shaky and unstable world. This world that is full of sorrow. Now in this short yet punchy psalm, we're actually given three essential elements of lament. I want us to look at these quickly. Three essential elements of lament. The first is this. Lament articulates our tears to God. David was obviously pained and perplexed when he wrote this psalm. Pained and perplexed by his current situation. So much so that he wondered if God was there. Even more, he wondered if God cared. Yet even in this state, David turned to God, and in turning to God, he asked his questions. He expressed his emotions, and he detailed his circumstances. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow all the day? How long? Shall the enemy be exalted over me? One writer has said, More than a sinful rehearsing of our anger at our circumstances, biblical lament humbly and honestly identifies the pain, the questions, and the frustrations that rage in our souls. Which means, in sorrow, David didn't vent to empty space. He didn't rage at others, and he certainly didn't stuff his emotions. Rather, he brought his pain and perplexity to God in prayer. He disburdened his cares and his anxieties to the God who promises to be near to the brokenhearted. You know, here's the wonder that God, in giving us lament in his word, actually invites us to make this language our own. As my wife often say, says, God gives us permission to not be okay. He gives us permission to ask how long and why. God in his grace wants us to bring our raw emotions to him. And therefore, when our anxieties arise or when depression brings us low, Lament says, cry out to God. Articulate your tears to God and ask your questions. God's big enough to handle them. Lament says, come to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that leads us to the second element, which is intentionally asking God for help amidst our sorrow. Lament itself is an act of faith, and faith doesn't always understand what's going on, but it does believe, it does believe that God is good and powerful to deliver. It believes that God is working all things, even our sorrow, for our good, even when we can't make sense of why it has to be this way. Lament and faith go hand in hand. And we see this in this psalm, because in his pain and perplexity, David's faith didn't die. Yes, he questioned, he feared, he sorrowed, yet in faith he asked for help. Look at verse 3, 
Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David was downcast. David was disturbed. He felt isolated and exposed. Yet in this place, he didn't cry out, there's no hope. And he certainly didn't say, I'm fine. Because he wasn't fine. Rather, in dependent prayer, he asked God for help. He asked God to look upon him in his sorrow. To answer him in his need and to keep him through the terror of this particular trial. In his tears, David anchored his soul and his circumstances in the one who promises to be our all in all. Rather than give himself over completely to his feelings, which I know I'm prone to do, they begin to rage and you just want to give in to them or just vent them, but rather than give himself over completely to his feelings, which were real, and were justified, David instead gave himself over to his God, crying out, see me, see me and help me. It's the simple prayer of faith in the midst of pain, when the tears are flowing, to simply cry out, my God, see me and answer me, help me. So the first element of lament is articulating our tears to God. It might even be helpful to write them out if we need to, to articulate them to God. The second is asking God for help. And then the third element, well, it's a renewed trust in God. And you see, this is always the goal of lament, that our faith in God would be strengthened in and through sorrow. Look how David puts it at the end. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. And notice, David doesn't say this post-pain. No, he says it in the midst of his present pain, which means it was in and through lament, through his expressing to God in prayer his pain and perplexity, that David found himself reoriented afresh to his God. And that's really the great deliverance of this psalm. It's not that God delivered him out of his circumstances or even changed his circumstances. No, the circumstances were the same, but David found himself renewed in the midst of them, reoriented to his God. And central in David's renewed faith was remembrance. Remembering how God had dealt bountifully with him in his own past. How God had delivered him from lions and bears. How God had delivered him from a giant. And how God, when David was a young shepherd boy, had made him the promise, you will be a shepherd king. My friends, in lament, we're to remember God's faithfulness to us. His faithfulness to us in our own personal histories. How in times past, he kept us through trial and provided for us in our need. When the tears flow, one of the most important things you can do is rehearse. Rehearse the ways God cared for you, provided for you, and brought you through times of pain and perplexity. How he has shown you his steadfast love personally. 
how he was near to you in those times when you found yourself brokenhearted. Let these times be a reminder that if God was with you then, then he's also with you now in your present sorrow. And in being present with you, he's doing the very thing that we're told in Psalm 56, and it's a beautiful line. He puts all of our tears in his bottle. He knows them because he is with us. And he puts our tears in his bottle for his glory and for our good. But there's something else. You see, even more than remembering how God has shown his steadfast love to us in our personal past, what we're always to remember, what we're always to keep in mind is God's steadfast love that was manifested to us most clearly and personally in Jesus Christ. You see, in Christ, God, out of his undeserved and unbreakable love, in Christ, God has made our lament his own. As we're told in Isaiah, Jesus, the Son of God, became a man of sorrow who was acquainted with grief. And isn't that what we're celebrating in this Christmas season? That the eternally joyful God willingly entered into the sorrow of our world in order to embrace our pain so as to bring us his comfort. I mean, think about this. In Christ, God shed our tears. He suffered for our salvation. He was shaken on the cross that we might find our security, not in ourselves, not in our fleeting pleasures or fading treasures, but actually find our security in him, the one who proves that God's love is indeed stronger than death. Truly, Jesus was abandoned on the cross for us who deserve to be abandoned so that we could be assured that in him, the enemies, the great enemies, the triple enemies of sin and Satan and death can never prevail against us. They couldn't prevail against him. Yes, he died. But in dying, he gained the victory and his resurrection proves it. The enemies could not prevail against Christ. And yes, they may batter against us. But if we are in Christ, they cannot prevail against us. God, here's the wonder. God in Christ has dealt bountifully with you. Through the suffering lament of Christ, we have been shown and we have been given the steadfast love of God so that even in our tears, with our eyes fixed on Christ, we might rejoice in God's salvation that has come and will one day come in full. In this broken world, we will mourn. Yet in our mourning, we can also hope. Hope in the God who wept and who weeps for us in Christ. My friends, your tears are not your own. They're also Christ's, because Christ has made the whole of you his own. 
If you shed tears, they're tears of Christ because he has made you his own. And where our tears may seem pointless, his never are. For his tears shed ultimately on the cross have worked our salvation, a salvation that promises, that gives us the sure promise that Christ is with us at all times and in all circumstances, that Christ will never leave us, Christ will never forsake us, that promises that one day God himself, see the image, God himself will wipe away every tear. Because you see, there is a new day coming when death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. It's this day that we Christians are to long for, even when in the present we cry out, how long? We're to be a people who long for Christ's second coming because by God's grace, received through faith, our lives are now anchored in Christ's first coming, a coming that has worked our salvation. All of us, all of us will walk through the valley of sorrow. Yet in Christ, the valley of sorrow has become the valley of soul-making, of making us more and more into the image of the one who in love sorrowed for our salvation. Jesus grieved for us and he grieves with us. And his grieving is a sovereign grieving that has overcome our enemies and that assures us that one day, that day is coming, one day all evil will be undone and all sorrow will give way to unending joy. So, in this new year, don't stuff your pain. Don't rage at others in your perplexity. Instead, practice lament. Practice it with your Bibles open and with your eyes fixed on Christ. Who, as we heard John pray, fixed on Christ, who for the joy set before him, what was his joy? It was to have you as his own, who for the joy set before him endured the suffering and sorrow of the cross for your salvation. My friends, we do live in a shaky and unstable world. We have no idea what's coming in 2023, just as we had no idea what was coming in 2020. That is the reality of this world that groans. But here is the greater reality. In Christ, we are secure. And therefore, in belonging to him, we're able to say, even as the tears flow and as sorrow fills our hearts, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire more than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We can say that because Christ has made us his own. And because this is so, rather than simply say to you, Happy New Year, let me say to you, Hopeful Year.
trusting that through our tears, our hope and trust in Christ will be strengthened to His glory and our good. Let us pray. By your grace, O God, help us to see more clearly the lament of Christ that has worked our salvation. Help us to practice lament, to pour out our hearts to you. Thank you that when we ourselves don't have the language for it, you have given it to us in your word. You've given us Psalm 13 and so many others. Help us not only to read these psalms, but pray these psalms, make them our own, and through making them our own, to see Christ more clearly, him who alone is our only hope and trust now and forever. Amen.